This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming and innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO of Brightloom, Adam Brotman, and Chief Product Officer, Ben Straley. Hey, everybody. Uh, Ben here. And Adam here. Uh, We are really excited to have Rob Tedesco joining us here today. Hey, Rob. Hey, Ben. Hey, Adam. So Rob recently joined Hathaway, a digital experience agency, as vice president of product. And before that, Rob was at Subway as the essentially the head of digital, vice president of digital and consumer. So uh, a position that Ben and I are familiar with and uh, have a lot of admiration for Rob and and, and have been really uh, excited to follow his career and and the things he's done, and and we're excited to have him on the show today. So, hey, Rob, do you want to um, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about Hathaway, if they're not familiar, and about your new role in the company? Yeah, happy to. So Hathaway uh, is a digital growth partner to restaurants, consumer goods companies, and retailers. And one of the things that really excited me and attracted me to joining Hathaway was um, with their work in the restaurant space, <clears throat> they have a, what, what we're calling the Num Num Experience Accelerator which is effectively a means of allowing restaurant brands who are working with companies like Olo, for example, to do, you know, white labeled kind of e-commerce or ordering experiences um, to build a custom experience on top of that, um, that gives them all the flexibility that they would want kind of from a de novo, you know, from scratch build, um, but at like a fraction of the cost and much reduced speed to market. So it's been, um, you know, super hyper growth for them. You know, the halfway uh, has, Built uh, experiences for Wingstop, uh, a bunch of other brands, Blaze Pizza, Noodles, working on Panda Express now. So it's a uh, it's a fun place to be the head of product where I am now and get a chance to work with a lot of brands in an industry that I really love and care about, restaurant industry. That's uh, that's fantastic. And I mean, given given your current role and the work you did at Subway and and even prior to that, um, you've had a front row seat to all of the 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 trends leading toward uh, digital adoption, digitization of customer base. I'm curious, like. What, what are some of the trends that you're seeing now that uh, uh, are front of mind? Yeah, I mean, from what I'm seeing, Ben, you know, there's a lot of restaurateurs out there, you know, small brands and, and chains and enterprises who are, are, are focused sort of myopically on what I would call like the survive step of this equation, meaning like they lost their their in restaurant their dine in channel either completely or partially and so they're they're figuring out how to kind of refactor toward other digital channels for ordering right so ordering through mobile apps ordering online third party delivery all those things and it's you know those things are critical i think you know the restaurant industry was on a long slow march towards kind of percentage e-commerce sales growing anyway so this is like an accelerant of change that was more or less inevitable to happen anyway <laughs> Hey Rob, can you can you give us sort of a, a ballpark, you know, in terms of where it was pre-COVID and where it is now? That percentage of digital that you mentioned. Yeah, if I were to take like an industry aggregate kind of average, like I would say, you know, most brands were under ten percent percent, you know, kind of e-com, and many now are punching above twenty. Um, you know, there's some there's some it's totally crazy. I mean, it's someone said on some podcast I was listening to, it was like, you know, three years worth of change in three months or something like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the acceleration of adoption of these channels. Right. So 
it's really healthy. This is a good thing for restaurants. You know, they, they you know, they're they're capturing the customer data from these digital channels, which is that that kind of leads me to the, like the second premise of like where in your in your where are we question is like a lot a lot of these brands are now going to have to figure out how to get to what I would kind of call the thrive step beyond just survival. I mean, if you think of an online order as being a channel switch instead of you know instead of an, a guest placing an order at your front counter. They've now placed an order on your your mobile app or web or you know even a voice ordering channel or whatever it is. Um, that's great. Maybe that's a sale you would have gotten anyway. Maybe it's not fully incremental, especially now in COVID land. Um, but to me, given the fact that when these when guests place orders in these digital channels, you're capturing their email address, their phone number, their 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 customer data, and even their preferences and things like that. The, the brands that are really going to differentiate themselves and do more than survive and just thrive are the ones who action that customer data, right? The ones who can build personalized experiences, the ones who can, you know, do a great job of retention-oriented marketing, um, and 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 ma- and take data science, customer data science, seriously. So, so I'm not seeing enough of that <laughs> yet. So yeah. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of switching, like a lot of short-term, like scrambling to like light up curbside or whatever it is. But they're, you know, one of the one of the things that's so great about you know halfway. And other brands is understanding that path to true digital growth and the need for customer customer data and actioning it in the long run. Yeah, you can imagine uh, that's a topic that's near and dear to to me and Ben. Um, you know, and you're right you you're not seeing a lot of it and a lot of talk of it. Although I will say that it's interesting to watch some of the best out there right now talking about it. At least talking about how it's coming soon. So Chipotle. Uh, Wingstop and Shake Shack to take three public companies for a minute who are all doing a great, a really great job of, like you said, taking that customer journey that was or- that they were already doing really well in digital. It's been, I mean, those, I think the, those three different brands are somewhere in the uh, higher than 50% of their orders or all orders are on digital in the now in the in in this environment, and they've all said, "Yeah, here we go. We're going to introduce some kind of personalization. Uh, we're gonna we are going to use that customer data that we have so much more of now in that customer that digital customer relationship." Um, so you're right. It, it's a um, it's it's interesting. It could be even, but it's but it, you know, there's it's probably not as it, it's it's hard to do. Uh, on some level, but it's also the big unlock. And you're right. I think it's a big thrive moment for these brands. So do we want to, you know, maybe that's a good time to kind of pivot the conversation a little bit for a second and, um, you know, talk about sort of, you know, in your mindset, Rob, you've, you've been doing this like Ben and I have for a long time. Like, you know, what, what do you, what do you think is keeping brands from making that shift? I mean, you want to see more of it. We were talking about how it's hard. Like what, what do you think is the, what's keeping brands from making that shift? A whole bunch of things, right? So I think one, you know, if you look at kind of the enterprise in restaurant, you know, most of the the enterprise is laden with like technical debt, right? So you've got just like inert structural core information technology inertia that is preventing you from being nimble and fast, right? So you've got these big transformations, menu management systems, point of sale systems, thing, you know, technology that's that they've been using for you know, decades and decades that were built and established pre-e-commerce, right? And so to sh- just to get that, to shift from that to e-commerce is, a, is enough for these brands to worry about. It's like it's occupying all of their oxygen, so to speak. So I think mm-hmm. part of it is like particularly like the bigger and the more legacy the tech, um, you know, the, 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 the harder it is to make that transition. 
Um, you know, I think some of the more new digitally native players in the space, you know, maybe are are able to make that transition a little bit more, you know, readily, right? Which is which is an advantage, right? And it's an advantage to not ha- be carrying that technical debt and that you know not have to worry about shifting the infrastructure. But I also think it's cultural, right? I mean, I also think like, you know, you you've got you know, a lot of times you've got, you know, restaurant marketing being more focused on kind of traditional advertising, you know what I mean? And above the line kind of maybe, maybe focus more on the traditional media mix and not so much on a digital media mix. Right. Um, and when you increasingly your customers are digitally addressable, it gives you a chance to use a more sophisticated tool set that's going to get you you know, as we all know, and this we've experienced this our whole, our whole lives and our whole careers, but maybe for for restaurateurs not so much. Um, you know, it's it's the ability to kind of get that higher ROI, that greater attribution, understanding your spend better, which is you know maybe the talent isn't there, maybe the mindset isn't there, and that's a shift that these brands have to make too. Let's let's talk about that for a second because it's it's a favorite topic of Ben and I. What you just said, Rob, which is this notion of Customer acquisition, uh, or you know, tradi- it's not even just traditional advertising because customer acquisition is done a lot through Facebook and Google and right. digital channels. So, but customer acquisition generally, or you know, and you can almost lump it in with traditional advertising or sort of you know, super high top of the funnel advertising um, versus uh, engaging with your customers, customer retention, CRM, etc. Um, you know that I do I it's interesting to think about that shift between the mindset of, like you said, you know, you got to get, you got to, you got to get customers onto these digital channels and that's one mindset shift. And it's a lot of it work and much. And then you got to like, you know, get them to sort of shift keep them their there. mindset from, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Keep yeah. them there. And like, it's not just to acquire and it, by the way, I think acquiring customers was like, it is and was and is super effective to use paid digital advertising for that. So it's, it's almost like a drug. I mean, you can, you can get kind of caught up in that and, and get addicted to that. And so, you know, that, that's an interesting topic. I mean, around, you know, so you're, they're almost getting hit with a double whammy right now, which is, Oh my God, I had to like survive. I have, I have to survive. I have to, I have to get these new channels going. And then I got a culturally mind shift as well on top of that. Right. And you know, it's, I think, I think the, what I would hate to see, you know, is, a predicament where congratulations, we have a giant bucket full of new digitally addressable customers, whether we sought them with digital advertising dollars or not COVID threw them into our bucket and Oh darn, we, we dropped the ball and didn't think about the holes in our bucket and how leaky it is. And they came for one visit or two visits and then they disappeared. Right. And then our competitors who did a better job of patching their buckets and doing smarter digital retention marketing, got them to come back to their restaurant, right? I mean, that Mm -hmm. is like, when we think about where this industry is headed, that's my concern, right? My concern is that there aren't enough, you know, people who are really thinking about that kind of next chapter in this whole, you know, um, opera, um, which is really the the brands that are going to thrive are going to be the ones that figure out how to patch the holes in their, in their customer retention bucket. It's, that's a really interesting point and something that uh, Adam, you and I have talked about a number of times, and that is, even the just the notion of retention marketing in the context of a lot of these consumer businesses is a new one because they haven't really been thinking about or operating through that lens of almost like a recurring revenue model. 
and so focused on upper funnel, so focused on driving traffic into the stores, so focused on driving transactions that it's not just a problem of capability. It's also a problem of mindset uh, and, and understanding that this is a critical, crucial uh, component of how we engage and market to our customers going forward. And once once they move on to digital and once you start seeing that data that you were talking about earlier, it's like uh, the lights are flipped on in a dark room. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point, Ben. I mean, I think if I could tell a quick anecdote about my experience at Subway, yeah, you know, Subway, Su- Subway is like, you know, it's the world's largest restaurant brand, right? There's 44,000 or at least when, I, you know, before, you know, COVID and whatever, there's 44,000 locations globally. Um, you know, and every single one of them is franchised. And so, you know, those, those franchisees are used to taking a, you know, a percentage of their royalties and that being contributed into, into a fund, which was known as an advertising fund, the franchisee advertising fund, FAF, right? And so like, even within your franchisee community, and these are the, these are the individuals who are like central and core to your guest experience, digital or otherwise, yeah. right? I mean, like they're living, eating, sleeping, it's their business. That's so like their livelihood depends on it. Um, and their ability to get traffic into their restaurants and Subway for a long time had traffic decline to your point then, right? And so the the knee jerk response is to be like, well, look at the advertising fund and how do we do more advertising yeah. to get more people to come into the restaurant? And I think I think it's fallacious logic to your point, right? I mean, I think it's like if you if you focused on the people you had and got and got them coming back more frequently. It's a, it's more cost effective, right? And probably will get you more traffic in the long run anyway. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it, it, on this topic, let's, let's, let's riff on this for a second, guys. So you've got, so first of all, at Starbucks, one of the things that was in, it was inherent to our, even before digital, even before we built up a digital flywheel and a mobile loyalty ecosystem, it was inherently understood in the culture and the DNA of Starbucks that you were going to build your business and your brand one customer and one store at a time in fact it's in the mission statement you know like one one uh one neighborhood one customer one cup at a time and so the 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 idea there was get it right with your customer and then worry about bringing more customers in in fact get it right with your customers and you will get more customers and so it's this inside out approach right it's totally it's do it that way and 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 so we took that approach at starbucks into how we built the digital flywheel we didn't Think about it. We didn't start by thinking about well, how many people are on it, right. and that's how we're going. That's how we're going to decide how great it's going to be, or how much effort we're going to put into it. It was like get that muscle built up, get it to be great, just like the in-store experience should be great. The online experience, and part of the online experience being great is how you engage with them when they're you know not expecting it, when they get a push notification, when they get an email, when they get an offer, when they get a recommendation. So there's layers of experience. They're all the same thing. They all ladder up to your overall customer experience. And if you get that right, as you bring more customers onto that, you've gotten it right and it's going to build. As opposed to, I think, this culture shift, Rob, that you're talking about, that we see at a lot of consumer brands and restaurant chains in particular is, well, let me get more digitized first, and then I'll worry about how great the retention marketing experiences and I, and the, it's just not the right way. It's just not the way I was brought up to think about it. I, I really well articulated Adam. I mean, I, to me, it's like, it's an ecosystem, right? I mean, it's your, your ordering experience is the same thing as your marketing channel, right? You've got integrated promotions and we can show you different things inside the menu. We can offer you different upsell. We can, 
understand eventually your commuting habits and when you're leaving home and work and hit you with a relevant timely push notification at the right time that upsells you the you know to have the right kind of um, purchasing experience right so like it's 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 an entire experience platform is what it is right and so if you think about it as commerce only and not marketing I think that's a legacy mindset, and I think it's this platform, the digital customer, is 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 commerce and marketing combined. If you're if you're on the brand side or the restaurant side, you, you necessarily need to be thinking about those those technologies as being dovetailed together, um, because they, from a consumer experience perspective, they are <laughs> right. You got right. your deals in your wallet in your mobile app, which is the same way that you scan to pay or, or order ahead or whatever it is, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's. Sorry, Ben, just real, real quickly, it reminds me, I always use this example. It's not a very good example, but like, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but like the Karate Kid, when I was, a, when I, when I watched the movie Karate Kid, but by half the audience doesn't even know what I'm talking about, but the movie Karate Kid, um, there was this great scene where Mr. Miyagi is, is telling the main guy, teaching him how to, he wants to learn how to do karate, I guess. And, and Ralph Macchio's character wants to go out there and start doing karate. And he's like, no, like why don't you like wax my car? And, and he realizes what he's doing is he's teaching a muscle memory and tech proper technique and realizing like, get your technique down. Don't worry so much about like winning the game all at once. And I just feel like there's a great analogy there with like digital strategy, which is like, stop worrying about getting your digitization rate to, you know, some material 50% number or something before come. you get good at it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. get the one thing good. And then the other, actually two different skills or two different muscles. Like, like get the customer. In fact, the better you're at one, the, be- the better you are at, at engaging with the customer and doing retention marketing, the, the more likely that when they do get digitized, they're going to tell their friends yeah, about right. it and they're, and they're exactly. going to refer you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that that's exactly right. And and the other dimension to what you were describing, Rob, that I think is also an interesting one. And Dominic Engels, who was on the podcast uh, recently, talked about this: the role that emotion plays in the relationship with customers. And uh, I'm not going to get all woo woo on that point, but I think it, what he was getting at is. The reason why Stone has the second most followers on Instagram after Corona, or was it Corona? Um, I think it was Corona, uh, was because they had over the years uh, won a level of trust and, and emotional connection with their their customer base. And in in today's day and age where um, trust is so central to uh, people's feelings about particular brands, uh, that leads to the permission that brands need to communicate with with customers and and to um, engage in these retention programs in meaningful incremental ways. Um, I think that that's also something that uh, is such a big unlock for brands that get that right totally. is earning the trust of their customers. That leads to this permission that allows them to engage with their customers in 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 ways that brands that haven't made those investments are are just not able to. Uh, I love it. Look at like text clubs and SMS as a channel, for example, and think about like the open yes. Right. I mean, it's staggering. That's right. Right. But it's exactly it's exactly what you're, it's the same phenomenon you're talking about. Then, like if I enroll in a, in a text club and I say, hey, restaurant brand X, Y, Z or retail brand X, Y, Z, you can send me messages about whatever you want. Um, you're self-selecting as as being like, I'm interested in hearing from you in a channel that I'm going to like, like vibrate and check every five seconds all day, every day. Right. Talk <laughs> right. about powerful One- engagement. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, when I was at Amazon, we talked about engagement 
in terms of opens and opt-outs. Opens were a sign that the customer was giving you permission and opt-outs were a sign that you had lost permission, right? And very clear, clear sign. And everything from that moment on is determined by the, the moment itself. And it's a great, simple, easy indicator to know where you stand with a lot of your customers. Totally. And, and, and speaking of mindset shifts and culture, right? Like, you know, I remember having conversations at Subway about, you know, the open rates we were seeing on SMS yeah. and having kind of legacy marketers completely disbelieve them and be like, I just don't believe this data. It can't be true. Yeah. It can't be true that 90 whatever percent of the people we sent this message to opened it up. And of those, you know, 60% clicked on it or whatever, like that's just impossible. And it's like, well, actually it's totally possible. Right? Yeah. It, it's, it's a little bit of a tangent, but it reminds me of, um, just, you know, I, I, I had a, a, a time in my career where I was, I was heavily involved in, in fashion and apparel retail companies, either on the board or as a, as an executive. And the, it was interesting and, and it wasn't just the company that I was working with. I could tell as an industry, they thought of mobile. And I, I think this is true. I, and I think this is true today. Not of all of them, I'm not trying to paint a, a broad brushstroke, but like as an industry, they, and I bet this is true of a lot of a lot of restaurant and retail companies, they think of mobile as like a channel. This goes back to the original part of this conversation. It was like, oh, well, why do you need a mobile app if you can just do e-commerce through mobile web? I don't understand what the difference is. And I remember thinking and trying my best to speak up to say, yeah, but for your active customers. Because the other, the, other, the other argument you'd get is not only can't they do e-commerce just as well on mobile web versus native mobile app, but also geez, you know, people just don't download that many apps. Starbucks was sort of an exception and Amazon sort of an exception. And I said, yeah, but for your most active customers, and if you have hundreds of thousands of them or millions of them, like there's not going to be a better tool than the mobile app because you can do push notifications and you can do deep linking and you can do things that you just cannot do. And it's to your point, Rob and Ben, like it's, it gets, it, you have to get as a digital leader, digital marketer, I believe you have to get out of your head of thinking of these channels, either sales channels or engagement channels, and start thinking about the magic that you can create through digital by just having, you know, the the opted in attention of your customers in the palm of their hand. There's just nothing like it. And if you've got data that can you can use to make sure that when you do buzz, as you put it, Rob, kind of buzz their hand, like, hey, I've got something I want to tell you. I'm a brand, and you've you've opted in to hear from me. Like, make sure it's relevant. Like you have an opportunity to make sure that that moment that you you didn't just waste their time because then as, as you said Ben they're going to opt out right but there if they open something that's relevant and you've buzzed their hand I mean that you have you've got like a direct link right into their heart right into their brain it's it's pretty amazing and into their wallet Adam <laughs> like <it's, laughs> yeah, you know, well. with the beauty of like you know <laughs> no no with the beauty of Apple Pay and Google Pay like I think it's a, I think it's a real point you know like the Payment is yeah. now saved at the operating system level of the mobile device. You don't even need to add it at the application level anymore. It's just already built in. Like you can just order and you're done, right? So yeah, uh, that's it's that's really a, powerful. That's a great point, Rob. That you is know, that's a great point. It is a good point. It just it reminds me of something that I have also observed in both at Starbucks and and Amazon and elsewhere is there is for for a lot of leaders in the space there is at times a tendency to think of consumers or customers as the other rather than as somebody just like them. And what I mean by that is, uh, Rob, your example of, um, you know, the open rates on SMS being a really good one. 
if if you were to sort of reflect on your own experience and behavior, chances are you would realize, wow, I spent a lot of time using my phone. And I usually respond to text messages and push notifications much more frequently than I go into my, you know, promotions folder on Gmail to open up the the top 50 promotions I received from brands. And and just for for us, you know, as part of this this podcast and this audience and and talking with leaders, that notion of sort of empathy and recognizing in your own behavior these potentially these these broader trends, um, I think is also something that I just find really interesting and uh, in how a lot of these these organizations and companies operate where that that introspection and that empathy uh, isn't operating on full tilt. I suspect that that's changed more recently given these these rapid shifts toward digital. but I'm curious what what are your thoughts on 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 this this point around sort of empathy and how leaders at a lot of these organizations think about, customers and channels. I, I love the point, I, you know, and it's funny because what, before I, I joined, you know, Subway and led their digital transformation, I, I did some work in other sectors, including education. Yeah. I did some work in financial services and like, you know, financial services, fintech, B2B, like I always struggled with empathy, like, cause I'm not, I'm not a banker. I don't, you know, we were building, you know, SaaS compliance risk management software. And it's like, I have no idea whether this feature is really going to add value or not, because I can't feel it. I'm listening to them and I'm trying to interpret it. But I was just, one of the things I loved so, so much about working at Subway was you can always test the value proposition. You can exactly. pick up the app, order it, go, and you immediately know where the pain points are. You immediately yeah. know where the consumer, the consumer journey is broken, where it's failing. And I, I think it's just such a powerful tool to be able to experience that empathy you know, at any time at any day. And I hope that brands and marketers are really thinking about that as a tool. It's a great point. Yeah, we had an expression at Starbucks that we had 20,000 labs all over the world that we could walk in and test our products in these digital products. You know, any store you could walk in and see exactly what was happening with real people uh, and real baristas engaging and interacting. Interacting, It's super powerful. Yeah, it's such a great topic. I mean, it's a topic for another day, but it is, that is such an interesting point about like when you, if you're a digital leader or marketing leader, or even just a CEO or whatever, and you, and, and you're trying to understand it, you know, is your, is your digital strategy, is your marketing strategy sound, you, you, you know, you are the audience, right? If you yeah, love right. some product, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are the yeah. audience, right? Or, it's like, or yeah, or just walk into a store and sit, sit at a table and watch as people walk in, see how many of them have their phone in their hand and see how many of those people are actually looking at it. And it's 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 bound to be over 50% of the people in your store are actually engaging uh, through this digital device. It may not be to order necessarily, but that's where they are. That's how you reach people. And then you examine your own behavior and, behavior and you realize um, a whole lot about where there's opportunity and really interesting surface area for for digital experience and engagement. Well, should we, maybe we should transition in. Ben, you have a question you tend to ask our guests at the end of every session. And I do too. Why don't you, why don't you go first? Well, yeah, I mean, Rob, we like to, uh, we like to ask guests of the podcast about an interesting experience that they've had recently with, with a business that has done something interesting, good or bad, uh, uh, with digital and, and, uh, with their customers. So, uh, I'll put it to you. What's, uh, what's an experience that either you've had or you've heard about that, uh, was noteworthy. 
Yeah, I love it. I, you know, I had a great experience at just a, a, a like a local fine dining establishment here in, in Connecticut. I live in Connecticut, you know, Southern Connecticut, Fairfield County. Um, You're free to plug. You're free to plug. Okay. Yeah. They're called Walrus Alley. Right. And then, you know, so my, my wife and I were, were going to have dinner at a restaurant. We got a late res- late reservation. And so we had some time to kill and we're like, well, let's, let's just get a cocktail somewhere. Right. That'll be fun. Well, I mean, that's a hard thing to do right now in Connecticut, given COVID and everything else. You know, if it's, you know, all the outdoor tables are already taken, you don't really want to sit inside for coronavirus reasons, right? So it's a little tricky, but my wife was like, hey, I heard if you if you go to the Walrus Alley website, you can order a cocktail to go. And then you just show up and you pick it up and they kind of give it to you in to-go containers. And then we could go sit by the river while we wait for our reservation at this other you know, restaurant. That's a, so the, the irony here is like if Walrus Salary here is about this and be like, why didn't you have dinner at our restaurant? Next time we will. Um, but anyway, so, so I go to the website, it's got, you know, integrated, you know, payment or whatever. I place the order on there. We show up, I walk up to like this window outside and the guy's like, Hey, uh, do, you must've ordered a cocktail. I'm like, yeah, I ordered two, whatever they were. And he's like, Oh, you must be Rob. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Rob. And he hands me the two cocktails. I take them back to the car. We go sit down by the river. And I'm like, why didn't this experience exist before coronavirus? <laughs> like, this is like, this is the most amazing consumer experience ever. Like, cocktails to go in Connecticut? You're kidding I, me. I love that, Rob. By the way, just right. uh, just as you're saying that experience like that, you know, you're describing mobile order and pay for cocktails, right? Like, like that's <laughs> exactly what that is. And it's magic, right? So that, yeah, but that's, that's, it took, it took the pandemic for that. To happen, I, I, I've had. By the way, just for what it's worth, there's a um, a great restaurant in Seattle called Tamarin Tree, and we're my wife and I like have a favorite cocktail there as well. And we heard the same thing, and you you get cocktails to go. Um, but that, but the fact that you did it at your at your one of your favorite places and did it, and you didn't, you know, you just walked up. They knew who you were. I mean, what a great experience, right? Like the um, at, at Starbucks, we saw the connection scores the human connection scores go up for mobile order and pay orders compared to people who went into the store wow. and waited in line. Yeah. And because what you just said is it right. The, you know, it was magical. They knew you, it met your need state, right? There's, there's just a lot to that. Yeah. I mean, short of like a drone, just dropping it right down through the sunroof of the car. Like, I don't know how much less friction that you could possibly, how much could you remove from that? It was perfect. Somebody well, a, is building that right now. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Probably Uber. Yeah. I, I, but I, I do, I do think, and I have, I want to ask you another question, Rob, about something, but in your, in your own personal opinion and experience. But I do think that that is something that this topic of like restaurants are having to do curbside and to cocktails to go and all these different things. And I, I, I think there's just going to be a lot of, of muscle and capabilities that it's going to, and, and that is going to last, you know, for a long time, not just the digital per se, but some of the, the connections and engagement and just even just different thinking that they're doing. What do you think, Rob, you know, if you had a crystal ball, um, if it's, you know, go out like 18 months from now, something where hopefully yeah. Yeah. from a, from a health perspective, we are hopefully past the crisis, um, you know, what do you think, uh, what's going to be, what is the world of restaurant marketing and restaurant digital strategy going to look yeah. like? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I, I hope that 18 or whatever months from now, 
you know, the necessary, the, the, the necessary nature of physical space between people inside of closed places can kind of go away and that can kind of retreat to more normal kind of experience. Right. But at, you know, by that time, I, I I'm going to take the following stabs and guesses. Number one, I feel like contactless payment, specifically Apple Pay, like you know, and Google Pay, like those those adoption rates are definitely going to come up as a, as a result of you know where we are with with the crisis now, and people will discover the convenience of the aforementioned convenience of having a payment method saved to your phone, right, and the ability to just use it to walk around and magically tap things and pay, right, because the the value proposition before for the consumer was like, yeah, most merchants accept it, yeah, you could do it, yeah, maybe it, instead of taking your card out of your wallet you could tap with your phone it's still the kind of the same number of steps you didn't really reduce any friction but you know they weren't thinking about the downstream benefits after they paid right and having kind of this wallet experience where it's always there it's always the same payment method you don't have to keep going back and you know changing things right so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I think and and by the way like tapping and and you know near field communications and like there's a lot of richness around the consumer experience you know from a kind of experiential retail perspective that can be given you can tap to say i'm here you can tap to say you know i want to sign up make me a member you can tap to say you know i'm at table 34 right so i think contactless has applications you know the 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 payment use case of contactless will get adopted you know at, at scale and i think there's other applications of contactless that will also get adopted it's a big one um, and the other, the other, I think, total no-brainer for restaurants is is w- what they call ghost kitchens or dark kitchens or virtual kitchens, right? So this, you know, this reformatting of the retail space to kind of be more engineered towards off-premise sales, and you know, that's the extreme example. But also, you're seeing more and more concepts and designs. You know, Shake Shack revealed one the other day, and seen other interesting designs come out where it's like really the it's a small square foot kind of you know a format designed primarily for off-premise business for people to do curbside and drive through and mobile order ahead and pick up and maybe secondarily for dining in right they've the paradigm has kind of shifted and so i think i think we'll see a lot more of that too where it's like the 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 allocation of retail is less about sitting down and more about getting what i want and getting out of there yeah i think you're right um two two things come to mind one is um starbucks announced that they're going to a major strategy shift is they're going to start building out a ton of these pick up only stores, you know, I think they call them something, but the point is that they're, it's really smart. It's just a great, it's an, it's what you're saying, Rob, it's a great, it's an infill strategy and a kind of a network effect strategy for Starbucks. I, um, I thought it was even interesting, kind of like your, your, your cocktail cocktail story you just told about, like, I think Kevin Johnson, I think I heard him say, the CEO of Starbucks say, you know, these stores are going to be close to Starbucks locations too. So if you want to like, order there and then walk over and enjoy your social moment or your work moment at a Starbucks. You can, I, I think that was really smart. It was like, it's just make, it's just load balancing all the orders and all of what you want to be as magical and as frictionless as possible. You know, I, I just thought that that was, um, you know, really interesting. And I just think that the, you know, the, the other example is um, I was reading and hearing about a really successful salad restaurant concept in Arizona that's doing really well in their drive-through, right? So if you think about like drive-through and how well drive-through is done during the pandemic and your point about like pick up and go, I just think, I think the notion of like drive-throughs and walk-up windows and things like that are just going to become mainstay to your point. hundred percent. Totally agree. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily a bad world as long as you can get a table when you want one. 
<laughs> right? Like, I hope yeah. we don't run into a table shortage, you know, particularly for fine dining, right? Because like, that's the experience is all about sitting down, right? So I think we'll still have that too. Yeah, although I do, you know, I don't know about you guys, I do, I have this image in my head of when this pandemic is at a place where people can safely and comfortably everywhere want to eat indoors for as long as they want, wherever they want. I think places are going to be so crowded. Yes. Uh, so I mean, true. cause I mean, I'm speaking for all of us, right? We, we are all dying to just like go get in a crowded place and be social and loud and whatever. So the, the roaring twenties followed the uh, Spanish flu of 1918. There's a reason. Yeah, exactly. Great point. Ben. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Rob. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been really great chatting with you. Uh, really my pleasure. You know, big fan of Bright Loom and, and love always, you know, when we get the chance to catch up. So thanks for the time, guys. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Well, folks, that's our show for today. Stay tuned for uh, our next episode when we're joined by another customer-focused leader. Until then, take care. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.